We are so grateful today, as Brother Ken alluded to, to have Brother Elijah with us. He is one of our missionaries in India, and he'll tell you all about his work today. And he's an excellent, godly young man, and you're going to love hearing from him. His full name, I'm going to try to say this, Elijah Vivek Sanamanda. But Elijah, come and, and talk to us and preach to us, and we, we're grateful to have you here. For those of you who are wondering why the bag was there, I was going to use it in my illustration this morning. But it's so good to be here this morning that... I've never seen snow that much in Tennessee, where I'm from, which I call the home here in, in America. But the past week has been so cold that I had to stay home and just not go anywhere. But I'm really glad the sun is shining so good today that we're able to gather here this morning and, and worship our Lord Almighty. If we could prove the presentation on, where do I get the pointer, sir? I'm sorry, I'm just getting started. Yeah, so if you look at it, uh, I'm Elijah and I'm from India, and I'm going to. Okay. I'm Elijah and I'm from India. Uh, the reason I was able to be here in the United States was to get my master's here at Creed Hardeman University. And I was able to accomplish that and go back to India to work with the congregation that I grew up in. But before we go into all that stuff, I want us to listen to a father and a son and their conversation that I have to bring in this morning. A father tells his son that, son, go and work today in my one yard. The father, when he says that, is very, very, very loving to his son when he's, he says, son. Now, the word son is talking about the relationship that the father has towards the son. He was very, very connective to him. He shows his love to him. He says, son. Nobody calls anybody son unless they're related to them in one or the other fashion. There's a relation probably physically as a family. There's a relationship spiritually. But here... You look at it and you see Matthew and the chapter talks about the parable of the son and the father. But I want us to focus on the son that has the relationship with the father. And the father goes on saying, son, I want you to. Now, the relationship is a key role there. Now, when we look on to the next thing, the, the, the father says, go. 
Now, Go is talking about the authority that the father has over the son. And he describes it very clearly when he says, Son, go. The authority has been given to everybody. But the son has been very clearly authorified or given the instruction as to go. Now, the coming... Coming to the next thing, he's talking about work. He's talking, he's des- describing the nature of the Christian service, saying, Son, go work. Going forward, looking at the next word that we see is, Son, go work. Today, he's talking about the time and it's talking about the service that is required in that point of time. Lastly, talking about vineyard, talking about the place. See, I, I, I am really fascinated about this, this verse that came out. It's because son is being directed directly by the father here to a son in a loving fashion saying, Go work today in my vineyard. That's what has all brought us together as family in the brotherhood. I'm reminded constantly about the parable that is taught in 25, 1-13. The ten virgins that had to go and meet and now, as they go, there are five wiser ones that were able to carry the oil that they need for their journey. Now, when I pack up to come to America, I, I usually carry a suitcase, and the suitcase is completely packed up with stuff that I need while I'm there in the United States. That is need that I have all my toiletries, I have all the clothing that I need, I have all the different technological stuff that I need, maybe my laptop, maybe my thumb drive, maybe my pens, or anything that I need. Now when I do that, I'm going to pack for my whole trip. I'm not going to pack for a day, I'm not going to pack for an hour, I'm not going to pack for just a week. I pack for the whole time that I want to be on my trip. Now, the question is, here there are ten virgins who go on a trip who are going to meet someone. And they're ready. Five are wiser to to be able to carry what they need to. And the five others do not. The question today I want to ask is, how loaded are you? For your eternal journey. Are you packed. To, to leave today. And then be content. With the journey that you are going on. As we ponder that. I want to bring back. To what I want to speak of this morning. I grew up in a church. That was established by my grandfather. In 1963. When Brother J.C. Bailey. Had moved to India. The, the church grew with 
23 people over the years to being a church that has 920 people right now. The church has grown up so much, we have to start another service here soon. We already have two services. We already have an English service that we, want, we inculcate so that the young brethren, young children in our church could come learn English as well as worship in English. <coughs> but still, the gospel has been so effectively sowed that it really brought us together. Now, last year has been a year that has really, really been a trouble for everyone's life. You look at back, you look at 2020, you see, hey, Indians always said that there are too many zeros in 2020 that is going to be zero in financial value. But that's not right. That's not true. But I believe that 2020 has been an exceptional year for you For us to show our love to brethren that we never would meet otherwise. It has not only been the negative effect in people, but I want to say it's been a positive effect of many things. We've been into the community. We have cooked several bags of rice to give out. That's my father right there. That's the preacher of our congregation who was cooking the meal. I'm talking about, it's, it's, it's not going to be like, hey, you get a bag and you just put a cup of rice, you put a cup of water, you put a cup of meat in it and then cook it. I'm talking about 10, 20 bags of rice, 25 pounds bags of rice, 50 pounds of rice. We did that during COVID and it has effectively congregated by our church members. That we did so much that we distributed along a lot of people who would never even understand why we do it. See, COVID has not been a year that had affected our lives as Christians. It has been a positive influence that everybody knew why we did it. Our Lord has shown us many ways that we could reach out. Otherwise, we would have not been able to do that in that way. We have, we, have, we have packed rice like that. We have given it to, to the communities and people know, hey, they're doing something for us. And why are they doing it? They're doing it for us. We have given green bananas to a lot of people. We have given up to workers who are working on the railways. See, the railways is one of the major platforms where Indian transportation works. And when they did that, when we did that, we were able to establish a contact. (coughs) We were able to work with the sanitation people. See, Indians always thought the problem with COVID was because the sanitation was bad in the country. And they knew the emergency workers in India will have to work. So all the, all the streets in India or the villages or the, or the municipalities had to work with clearing the garbage every day. 
they had to they had to give away and say a lot of the sanitation workers, hey, you need to work because if you don't work and you don't clean it, it's going to spread. The virus is going to spread. There were about thousands of sanitation workers that worked, especially in a town like mine. It's not big, but we had thousands. We were able to give them care packages so that, hey, you do what you do for us, and we want to show you why we do it. And that, is, that has been a very good influence that we were able to do that. See, we were able to give them sanitation packs for themselves as well. See, they have families too. And I want to bring us to a point why we do it. These are the brethren that go to our preacher's training school in India called the Eli School of Theological Studies. They are the brethren who keep us focused on our, our platform, our, our, our source of energy or encouragement because we are taking the gospel to an area that nobody else would take. The feet that carry the gospel are the ones that we want to focus on. And the brethren here at Elias School of Theological Studies get that from us. As a church, two of our elders work with our preacher's training school. We are able to congregate every month and come up with lessons, theoretical and practical. See, the preacher in India is everything to a church. I'm not talking about, you know, you going on a Sunday uh, pulpit and speaking about the lessons. Not about the Sunday devotional. I'm not talking about that. If you die, if there's a person who is dead in the, in the family, the preacher has to come make the coffin box, get the body in the coffin box, get the whole dog in the ground, and bury him. If there's a family you know, situation, like a marriage, the preacher is the guy who takes care of everything. Now, the church is involved in several things, but the preacher is the key role that is being played by everybody who is being a preacher. Because, not that anybody knows better, not that the preacher knows better, but he's the one who has done it several times. And that's how we train them. We train them with practical information. You don't want to just have them preach the gospel, but be involved in the community. And that's what we do the best. One of the things that we love about our preacher's training school, when we meet every day in our preacher's training school, we are being effective to what we preach, ensuring that in action, ensuring that in a practical way that they understand it's not just the word that's coming, but it's our, our heart that we're pouring into it. Our previous training school has been effective in the fashion that it's, it's, not, it's not that we, we come up there and there are people that come up there and they just open their books and read. No. These students have real zeal to preach the gospel. And we want to concretify that, if that is a word, you know. We want, we want to pour the concrete over their, their zeal because it, it solidifies that action. And that's how we carry, we carry that zeal towards preaching the gospel. And we are really proud of it. One of the situations that we faced in 2019 was floods. See, I live in a coastal area 
where you have a lot of water bodies and one of the situations that we run into all the time through the years because our India is a monsoon climate area you have dry and wet seasons so here in Tennessee you on Alabama you would have a sunny day and then a rainy day next day or in a few hours but in India if it rains it rains if it's sunshine, it's sunshine. It's winter right now in India, and you know how much the temperature is? 75 degrees. And it's winter for us. So here, this, this, this village that we've been to, the area that we've been to, is about, from the area that I live, it's about, about close to 78 miles. But then, you're living close to the ocean close to the coastal area, then 78 miles. See, I take 10 minutes ride on a car, I get to the ocean. But now you're looking at 78 miles, when you go up there, it's an island. We have to cross a river that is 350 meters deep. I'll tell you a thing that, we, that happened when we did this relief. Earlier I was talking to the teens and I was telling them about fishermen. Fishermen use boats like that to go into the sea. Now, you have a bigger vessel, that's good. You can carry plenty. Or it's good because you're safe. A vessel like that with that many people. Now imagine if you had got so many fish in there. And you got big waves that are going to make you feel, you know, you know what? If you've been on a boat like that, you would understand. It is a situation that the apostles and, you know, Jesus Christ in the boat felt. And it is the same situation. We've been in this area. What happened was, it was so flooded, we were still able to go, which was not the regulation of the government. The week after we went there, Right where we went, there was a big, you know, swirl in the water that a big boat, I'm, not, I'm talking about a big, good-sized boat, which can carry about 200 people with a big generator on it, with a dining set on it, like a cruise, has sunk in five minutes. 32 people were killed in it. See, the bet on this, which was more dangerous that before week because it was so much more flooded but God had protected us we were able to go into that village carry supplies that we needed to you see all those mountain areas right there if you look at it if you look at that mountain areas right there it was a area that you had to go through that is why the river was so deep 350 feet deep and when we did that we were able to go in and you, you go in so much that you, you can't see anything. Because you see, you, go, you, you hike a mountain, you say, hey, that's really small. But you go in there, you find it, it's not small. It's not small. So we go into this area, we were able to go, we were able to meet a lot of folks who would not have food if somebody else would not come there to help them. Now these are people who live on a, on, a, on a sand bed, have a roof on their top, but these are people 
that don't have any other eminences. They only live on the, on the roots that they find in the forest or on the mountain. They have any fruit that comes out during because they go into the forest and get some fruit from it or any food or any chicken or anything. We were able to evangelize to those people. It's been one of our trips that we did. We were able to do. So, so when we looked at the other picture earlier, I wanted to tell you about it. One of the major things that we are able to accomplish as people is that we do water evangelism. So what is a water evangelism? This is what we do. We have a water purification plant. Now, I'm from a town which you dig six feet into the ground, you get water. If your kids are playing in the ground and if they got a good you know, tool that they can just put into six feet on the ground, there's water gushing out. Now, that's one part of the town where I am from. And I live in the outskirts like a country area. But there's also another area in the town that you, you dig about 200 feet. You don't even get a squat of water. You don't got it. Now, what happened with this is, we have water, but it's not drinkable. There's so much iron in the water. There's so much mineral in the water. You can't drink it. What we do as a church is fill the water in an area where it, it's, it's sedimented. And then after it's sedimented, you purify it through a machine that purifies it more cleaner and just like your bottled water. So we give away water and then into communities, about 22 communities, we give away water. We got three teams who take care of it, who are able to come and, 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 and say, hey, uh, this is something that we do from our church and we go into the communities and we give this water. It's a five gallon tin of water. When we give it to them every day, there's a question that pops up. Why do you do it? How do you do it? So you're thinking about a five gallon jug, you know, you carry it once, it's okay. Carry it twice, it's okay. But if you carry it every day and you give it to a person every day, they're going to question, why do you do it? That's when we open them up to listening to the gospel. We share them our story of love towards them because Christ had done that same thing for us. And that is what concretes them. That's what amazes them. And when we do this every day, we are in an average on a month, we are giving about 46,000 gallons of water every day, into the, every month into the community. 46,000 of gallons of water. I want you to sink that in. See, we don't do this just because we love the community. We don't do this just because it's a priority that we have to give into the community. It's the love of the Lord that makes us do it. None of the members who help us with it are, are getting paid. Our church has invested in saving souls. Now, I want to come us back with what we, what we had talked earlier. See, our church with 920 people are invested in saving the souls and we do it through love. 
And one of the major issues, that, major things that we run into in a country like India is the government not being supportive enough. The government uh, having regulations more than what we can handle. But still, we are doing what we do. I want you to understand, these are 13 men including me in the picture. These 13 men have accomplished so much what the previous generations could never do in India. India has been a country which has, in the southern part of India, where you call the Bible Belt here as Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, all that, the Bible Belt. In India, Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, I'm speaking, in, I'm not speaking in tongues, I'm just saying the names of the word, you know, areas. <laughs> so, the, the, the southern belt or the southern states in India are the ones that have the churches. But this team of 13 members, including me, have worked on getting all India churches of Christ together on one platform. So in this platform, we were able to get preachers all around in the India to come together. And it's been very effective. That year of 2019, we had 1,300 plus preachers who have come across India. They have identified from 29 states of India. And we were able to fellowship in one building. It has been very successful. Now, it's been done before. But not as effective. But the 13 men have played a crucial role. They're all members of the church. It's similar to PTP. But it's in India. Now India. It's a different country to work with. I'll tell you an example. You have. Andhra Pradesh. The state I'm from. And you go to a state like me. For say if I'm from Tennessee. And then I go to Alabama. Now, they got a different language. They got a different culture. They got a different dialect that they speak. Now, I'm going to a different country altogether. Because something that I do in Alabama Pradesh is not acceptable in Tamil Nadu. So, India as it is, has been a challenge for a lot of people as preachers, you know, that we work with. But our community, our brethren have been able to work together in accomplishing what we did. With that, I want to I wanna, I wanna ask one question. See, I don't know how, how far are we in our journey. I don't know how, how far along we're going to be on the journey. Because last year, as we went through COVID, as we, as we, as we went through it so much that... Our question was, hey, uh, I don't know if I'll make it this year. One of our deacons, who was about 45 years old, is not affected with COVID or anything. He was teaching in our Bible school. He was a cobbler. He was a tailor. He used to do a leather work with a lot of the hand, hand, handiwork. He had three beautiful daughters. He was fine that one morning. He went to the doctor because he had a light fever. That night he, he, was, he was asked, hey, why don't you come tomorrow that you're going, to tested by, you're going to be tested for COVID. But as he come, he was so scared that night because of the doctor's appointment. The next morning, 
who was a fine young man, 45 years old. He was on the deathbed, on the death ventilator, and he passed away the, the next evening. Our deacon has lost his life. Now, he's been a very effective soul seeker. He, he, he wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to take, do more, much more than he wanted to. But there were different plans for him. What I want us to focus. He was loaded for his life. See when I go on a journey. I, I try to pack my luggage. When I go on a journey. I want to be careful. Hey I got everything in the, in the luggage. The question is, how loaded are you in Christ? If, if today is the day that you leave, if today is the time that you, you might not be able to be any more longer, what would you do? Are you loaded for Christ? That is a question that all our Indians, all our members of the church were questioning. And that's how we kept going on. See, I want to say one thing. The father that had said to his son, Son, I want you to go work in the vineyard. That is the same father that spoke to me, saying, Go work in the vineyard. And that's what I am all about. I am working on my father's business. I'm a business I'm a businessman as a person because I am in the business of saving souls. I'm a businessman because not for the fact I'm in it for the financial gain. I'm in it because my father has asked me to conduct that business because it's priority to me. My father has asked me to do that business because he knew it's the nature of the work that requires the dedication. I am in my father's business. It's all about our father's business. You might be here this afternoon. You might be here this morning. You might be here this evening. But every time of the year, every time of the day, every time of the minute, we're all on our father's business. And if you're here today and you would like to seek anything that we can do, if you're here today and you, 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 there's something that we can come up with, or if there's a need for you spiritually, if there's a need for you to seek the gospel, if you have not, come as we stand and sing.